In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So today is the second Sunday of Kiak, and as we approach the beginning of the greatest story of all time, which is, of course, the Nativity of our Lord Jesus Christ, today's reading is from the Gospel according to St. Luke, and it uh, uh, relates to the Annunciation of our Lord Jesus Christ to St. Mary. So the story of Nativity, of course, is the story of our salvation, the story of redemption and the renewal of humanity and the beginning of that uh, renewal. Um, and to humanity as a whole, of course, but most importantly to us on a very personal level. In St. Luke's Gospel, St. Luke is the most detailed about these events that have happened in the time of Nativity. So we, throughout the uh, month of Kiak, preceding the uh, Nativity uh, celebration of Christmas, we read the four uh, Sunday liturgies, are the four readings, all from the first chapter of St. Luke. So we divide them in the four parts, and we read them in the four weeks preceding Christmas. The first one, which was last week, the Annunciation of St. John the Baptist to Zacharias, um, and also today the Annunciation of our Lord to St. Mary. Next week we'll read about the visit with St. Mary and Elizabeth, and finally we'll read about the birth of St. John the Baptist. So the story of nativity is the beginning of the fulfillment of God's what is called God's economy or God's plan. The Greek word economy actually means a plan, right? God's strategy for our salvation. That strategy began, of course, when Adam and Eve stumbled and they fell and they lost that great divine image that was created um, uh, by God for us, that we lived uh, in, in perfect harmony in paradise uh, and also in his image. But we sinned, right? Adam and Eve sinned, and because of that sin, they lost that great human nature, uh, that great divine nature that we were created with. And um, as the centuries passed after the fall of Adam and Eve, they were kicked out of paradise. Humanity began to forget about God because they had no more communication with Him. When we look at the stumbling of Eve um, with the angel who appeared to her, that wicked angel that appeared to her, uh, and we, there's a striking, a striking resemblance between what we read about today with Archangel Gabriel appearing to St. Mary and what we read about in Genesis when that angel, that fallen angel, Satan, uh, approached the first Eve, which is Eve, right? And that's why we call St. Mary the second Eve. So Satan, an angel, appeared to Eve and promoted disobedience in her. And Archangel Gabriel today appeared to St. Mary, and St. Mary, through her obedience, brought about the salvation of the world, where the first Eve, through her disobedience, brought about the corruption and destruction of the world. So you see a very striking resemblance. That way we call St. Mary the second Eve. Um, but as after that stumbling, humanity began to forget about God. They, they didn't pray to Him. They didn't really search for Him. They began to search for Him among created things um, they, because they still desired to worship because we were built to worship God. And so they desired to worship. And that's something that we can see today as well, that everyone worships something. Um, even atheists will worship something, whether it be technology, whether it be money, whether it even be our own selves. Everybody is built to worship something, and we worship what we love and what we put our affections on. And so they began to worship things because they were so carnal and lustful and worldly. They began to worship things of this world. And if you look at the ancient cultures, what did they worship? They worshiped the sun, the moon, the stars, 
thunder, lightning. They worship the the crocodiles and the cats and 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 so on, right? And the cows and so on. So they worship things that they only saw, things that were sensual, um, and they forgot about God. They couldn't see Him anymore. Um, they forgot about the Creator of all things. And although we can see a glimpse of who God is from creation, because the power and majesty of the Creator of all is seen to a certain proportion from the beauty of the created things. When you look upon a beautiful, the beautiful Pacific Ocean or the mountains or, or any of God's creations, we can see a glimpse of the divinity, a spark of the divinity in the created things. But we do not see the, uh, Christ or we don't see God in His fullness. Um, but through the nativity, because humanity was so carnal, through the nativity, we're now able to see the Father through tangible, through His tangible and very physical presence in our lives, in, in this natural world that we live in. So He comes down to the world, as it were, down to our level, so He can give light, so that we can see and comprehend, grasp and feel and handle the uh, the eternal God, and and so that which was invisible became visible. Uh, because in John chapter one verses eight, uh, verse one, I'm sorry, chapter one verse eighteen. It says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, He has declared Him. We see a very interesting dialogue uh, centuries before that between Moses and God on Mount Sinai. Um, so the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, it were, as a, as it were, uh, person to person, as a friend would talk to a friend. They would always talk to each other in this manner. And um, Moses asked, please show me your glory. I want to see you. Let me see your fullness of your glory. God responded to him because he loved Moses and he responded to him as a friend. I will make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock, like in a little, like a crevice in the rock, and will cover you with my hand, and I will pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. The name of the Lord, of course, which God said will be proclaimed among us all, is Jesus Christ, and we see the Father through him. We can say that that story with Moses, where he saw the glory of God through that cliff of that rock, a natural, uh, physical thing that was created, we were able to see a glimpse of who God was. That physical rock, of course, was a symbol of our Lord Jesus Christ, that we're able to see who God is in the living presence of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see the Father through the Son, since it is the same divinity. And God the Father sent His only begotten Son, who, who was the Word of God, made flesh and dwelt among us, uh, a real flesh just like ours, but except without sin. Uh, we're therefore able to see the Father's goodness and love, His amazing miracles, and hear the will of God the Father and His amazing teachings that we have till this day, thank God, in the Gospels. Uh, St. Philip the Apostle asked the same thing as Moses the prophet asked. He said, Lord, show us the Father and it is sufficient for us. And how did Christ respond? He said to him, have I been with you so long that you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. 
And we too, just like Moses the prophet and St. Philip the apostle, we receive the enlightenment through the flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, beginning, of course, with the Annunciation that we read today. Um, and that was the beginning of us really seeing who God is and experiencing Him and in encountering Him in a very real and tangible and a very, um, in, the, in our natural world, not just some theoretical but, uh, presence, but a real presence in our life. So through the Nativity, we're now able to see the Father through His tangible presence among us. He came, he came down to our level looking for Him among because um, we were looking for him, something to worship among, among the mud and slime of the world. And he came down, as it were, to our level. His miracles and teachings that he did in the flesh that we were able to see and touch and experience um, elevated us to things much uh, more beyond the flesh, much higher than the flesh. Uh, he um, ascended us much greater than the things of this world. Last week's gospel in the book of Acts um, readings focused on St. Luke emphasizing that the truths of the gospel of Jesus Christ are very tangible, seen by eyewitnesses, handled by many infallible proofs that we may know the certainty of the things which with we have been instructed. His miracles and his teachings were seen and heard. People touched him and talked with him. And in every encounter, people were once again elevated to where the Father is. They saw the Father and they elevated their minds and their hearts to where the Father is. He healed those who had uh, fever to the point of death and many uh, others, of course, where the Bible says that, you know, the Bible is not big enough to contain all the miracles and healings that he did. The Gospels show that he raised three people from the dead. He had control over nature, the wind, the waves, the animals, the trees, the weather. He had control over the material, uh, turning water into wine, feeding thousands with a handful of uh, loaves and two fish, walking on water. He had the power over the spiritual realm as well, casting out demons. He commanded Elijah and Moses to appear. He opened the heaven at his baptism. He descended into Hades. He, of course, rose from the dead and allowed the other saints to rise from the dead as well. All these things we read about in the Gospels. He took our problems visible. He took the physical problems of the people and offered things that were incomparably better. His Sermon on the Mount and all of his other beautiful uh, you know, sermons that we have uh, gives life to us right when we, when we hear it. And many more things that he did are not recorded in the Bible. Uh, but he generally took ignorance of Scripture and offered revelation. He took storms and he gave us calm. He took infirmities and he gave us healing. He took the despair of the people and he gave them hope and every reassurance. He took our carnality and gave us something spiritual. He took our hate and gave us love and sacrifice. And he took the death that we endure and he gave us life instead. The, this is really the true meaning of Christmas. This is the true exchange of gifts. Except what we offer him is so poor, and what he offers us as a gift is so much incomparably better. And this is what we do. We offer him our problems. We offer him our shortcomings, our weaknesses, and we offer it on the altar. And what he gives us in return is something incomparably better. Eternal life, peace, love, and a relationship with him. These aren't just some theological points that we have to understand, but it's a life-transforming knowledge that we have to embrace. St. Gregory the Theologian has a wonderful contemplation on this where he compares what he took from us and what he gave us in return. I recall about um, 10 to 12 years ago or so, we took this little contemplation by St. Gregory the Theologian and we made it into a hymn that the choir used to sing during Christmas. Hopefully, once we have choirs again, you know, we have those kind of events, we'll hopefully uh, sing that hymn. Um, 
but he says, St. Gregory says, he was born of a woman, but he was eternally begotten of the Father. And because of this, we're able to become the children of God, and in him we're able to pray our Father. Then when we know that there isn't anything in the world better than the embrace of the Father of all. There's nothing better than God the, God, the Father's embrace of us all. St. Gregory says, he dwelt in the womb, but he was recognized by John, the prophet himself, still in the womb, leaping before the word, for whose sake he came into being. We'll read about that next week. When Elizabeth St. Mary, which again we'll read about next week, uh, were both pregnant, which we read about um, uh, God willing next week, St. John leaped for joy in the womb of uh, St. Elizabeth at the presence of the Word of God. Um, as a seal and last of the greatest of the Old Testament prophets, which we spoke about last week. He didn't receive the graces that we receive today, though, right? He received the Holy Spirit, but not in the same measure that we receive in, in our lives today. Like all the prophets, he saw the graces that we were to receive from a distance, and he saw the things that we're about to receive, the communion, the baptism, uh, the life with Christ, the Holy Spirit indwelling in us. These are things that they looked from afar off and were amazed at the, the type of life and the, the gifts that we would receive today. Um, just like St. John leaped for joy in the womb of uh, St. Elizabeth when he saw the beginning of salvation about to transpire, I tell you that he also leaps for joy in heaven when he sees us partaking of these uh, divine graces and when we see repentance as well, uh, if indeed we live in those graces. He was wrapped in uh, swaddling clothes, but he took off the swaddling baths by the grave by his rising again. Um, it is his life-giving body that we take from the altar, which conquers death. He was laid in a manger, but he was glorified by angels and proclaimed by a star and worshipped by the Magi. The angels guarding the doors of paradise, we will see Christ um, they will see Christ in us as we approach paradise and they'll open paradise to us once again um, where before when we uh, you know, took Christ out of us because of sin they closed paradise uh, and they kind of kicked us out of there right but now we're able to go back because Christ himself is inside of us and we too have to become like that star when we proclaim Christ through our words and our actions and our service we can be like that Christmas star announcing uh, of course the, uh, and, and causing others to, uh, to change their life as well through our actions. As it says in Daniel, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So even now the Lord takes what is ours and gives us what is His. Uh, as uh, St. Cyril of Alexandria and St. Athanasius both, both have this quote saying, He took what is ours to be... He took what is ours to be his very own so that we might have all that was his. So that was the sweet exchange, that sweet gifts of, of exchange where we offer him something very simple and he offers us th things that are divine and eternal. So may the Lord cause us to live in that grace of the nativity and to re receive every kind of blessing uh, and gift from the Lord Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever. Amen.